<laughs> hey, what are you doing? Call the police, call the police. Drivers behaving badly how a fight over a parking spot ends up escalating into an all-out brawl. I've been scared, no, because I live here. A 69-year-old man killed in a targeted midnight shooting on Fraser Street. I have a great respect for the institution, institution of the legislature, so I am a little bit surprised on what's happening right now. And expense scandal fallout. Will the bombshell report from Plekus hurt this well-known Liberal's chances of becoming an MP in Burnaby South? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Well, people living in a South Vancouver neighborhood are in shock this evening, evening after a brazen murder on their block late last night. A 69-year-old man was outside his home when someone opened fire. Grace Key has our top story. Vancouver police spent the day searching for clues in the city's latest homicide. The victim has been identified as 69-year-old Zenon Cepeda Silva. Immediately after the shooting, a neighbor says the victim's wife and grandchildren stayed with them while police spoke with witnesses. I see like uh, it's four or five kids. Uh, they, they are scared, you know. They are very like someone is uh, crying, and, you know. The shooting happened just before midnight on Fraser Street near East 51st Avenue. A neighbor called 911 after hearing a single gunshot and then a young girl believed to be the granddaughter screaming when police arrived they found silva suffering from a gunshot wound he was rushed to hospital where he was pronounced dead it appears he was walking to the front of a residence our investigators in uh, vpd's homicide unit are trying to piece together uh, what led up uh, to the shooting and, and looking at, at the history and uh, following up all the leads that we can. Neighbors say three vehicles belonging to the victim were vandalized a couple of weeks ago. Police are looking into any possible connection with the shooting. People living in the area say the victim was from Cuba. He spoke little English and there were never any problems. We were very shocked to see this, absolutely. I mean, this is a really nice neighborhood. There's lots of... Um, Lots of families and lots of kids. and The shooter fled before officers arrived. Police say there were witnesses to the shooting, and this does appear to be a targeted incident. Grace Key, Global News. Turning now to a shocking incident that was all caught on camera. It started over a dispute over a parking spot at a Vancouver strip mall this weekend. As Jordan Armstrong reports, this parking spot row soon escalated into a fully blown fight. Hey! Stop it right now! Hey, this is on camera! Stop! An ugly parking lot confrontation in East Vancouver. Call the police! Call the police! Tempers explode. Punches traded back and forth outside TNT Market at First and Renfrew. In Cantonese, the man in the white jacket accuses the other man of stealing his parking spot. Hey! Stop, stop, stop. Hey! Vancouver police are now investigating the video posted on YouTube. They confirm officers responded to 911 calls over the noon hour Saturday. Hey, no! 
Our officers located all parties involved, including several witnesses. Uh, we also uh, located one man that appeared to have minor injuries. Hey, we're calling the police. Stop right now. The video, the second viral example in 48 hours of drivers revving their road rage to an extreme level. Friday near Boston, a man clings to the hood of an SUV as it rockets down a highway. The driver's in a major dispute after a minor crash. Both are facing charges. He took my water bottle out of my car. He smashed my window. Back in Vancouver. No arrests have been made at this time, but it is ongoing. Stop right now. Hey, the police are coming. Not the first parking lot fight VPD have been called to, and likely not the last. Tempers can get the best of you when you're, uh, you know, in Vancouver, uh, parking can be quite tough sometimes. But um, at this time, we're asking you, cooler heads prevail and uh, just walk away. Use your words as best you can and try to avoid violence. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Vancouver police also making an appeal to speak with anybody who might have witnessed an early morning fight that happened in Yale Town that sent three men to hospital. The VPD says two separate groups of people who apparently didn't know each other met on Mainland Street near Nelson just after 1.30 this morning. The brawl ended with three men getting stabbed. A 29-year-old man from Surrey has suffered serious but non-life-threatening injuries. A 25-year-old Vancouver man and a 26-year-old from Richmond have been treated for minor injuries. They have since been released. Six men were arrested and have been released without charge. Now to another fight in Vancouver, one that broke out a year ago today but ended in the death of a nightclub promoter who was trying to stop the violence. Tanya Beja is on the Granville Strip for us this evening with more on the vigil that is going on for Chris Tind. Tanya. Tanya, Chris was only 23 years old when he lost his life here outside the Cabana Lounge. Tonight, his family and friends are gathering in his honour and in his memory. And joining me to talk about the vigil are two people, Simran Buller, his brother-in-law, and his friend, Amit, Amit Mander. Thanks for joining us. What, what can you tell us about what happened that night, Simran? So that night, Chris was working. He came out to stop a fight. He always did what was right. And he, his main objective was to stop anyone from getting harmed. He came out and people, he was pulling people off, other people, and he got viciously attacked and passed away that day. And since then, we've been dealing with everything. And you've been waiting for answers. I understand that's part of, of why you're here tonight. I mean, yes. no, definitely. There's been no answer so far, and that's all we want, right? You know, nothing can bring him back, but at least we want some justice for him. No, no word of charges or arrests. There's been no word of charges or arrest. Um, that's why we want to come out, show everyone that we're still here. We want justice. We need justice for Chris. Um, that's our main objective here. He's been, he's loved by so many people. He's touched so many people. We've heard great stories from everyone, how he's helped. And honestly, he's our brother and we want, we need justice. Tell us if you can a little bit about Chris and, and what he was doing at that point in his life. He was a really happy guy, you know. He's always so, you know, outgoing very energetic you know he had lots of love in his heart he was just a one of a kind I don't think I know anyone else like him at all yeah there's no one that can replace him like every time he, you, he came into a room you could feel his spirit you could see his laugh you could see feel his smile it was just a special energy he had and he got robbed from all of us I'm so sorry for your loss um, for anybody watching who might have been here that night what what do you want them to know or do 
Well, we know there's a lot of witnesses out there. We know that a lot of people, there's a lot of people that had cameras. We want them to come forward. We want them to do the right thing by somebody that was the best person that we know. Thank you so much for joining us Thank tonight. Sonia, there you hear it. Anybody who might have video of that night, we know that police uh, saw a video that was posted on social media, edited video. They've always been asking for uh, unedited versions. Anybody who may have photos or videos of, of what happened here that night is asked to contact police. Tanya, back to you. All right, Tanya, hope that uh, certainly prompts somebody to send uh, something in. In other news, uh, tonight a cyclist has been killed in a tragic accident in North Vancouver this afternoon. The RCMP saying the cyclist was hit by a dump truck uh, that was pulling a trailer just after 1.30 in the 100 block of West Esplanade near Lonsdale. The public was asked to stay away from the area for hours as investigators worked to determine the cause of that crash. Significant developments this weekend in a Canada Day fight in Kelowna that left a young man dead. Shelby Tom has more on the four people now charged in his death, which investigators believe was a random attack. 23-year-old Issa Carrier was standing here at the Queensway bus loop in downtown Kelowna, just meters from City Hall, when he was the victim of a random knife attack, according to police. Now, more than six months after his death, four young people have been charged with manslaughter. Carrier was stabbed on Canada Day, July 1st, 2018, around 10.50 p.m. The fireworks celebrations had just concluded and scores of people were heading home. Police responded to emergency calls and discovered Carrier on the ground suffering from life-threatening injuries. He died later in hospital. The young man had just moved to the Okanagan from Mississauga, Ontario. He got a job in the kitchen at Kelly O'Brien's. The short time that he spent with us was very positive. Uh, he was a solid worker. Uh, he he had a great personality, uh, got along with everybody. Friends relieved to learn those allegedly responsible for taking his life will face justice. 26-year-old Nathan Truant, 20-year-old Noah Vadden, an 18-year-old man and an 18-year-old woman are facing manslaughter charges. All of the accused hail from Kelowna. They were taken into police custody during simultaneous arrests across Kelowna and outside the province on Friday. This was a complex and resource-intensive homicide investigation, which spanned multiple jurisdictions, said Inspector Laura Livingstone. I'm just glad that with all the work that the things have done, that uh, there has been progress being made. A friend of the victim expressed disappointment with the charge of manslaughter. It is defined as a homicide committed without the intent of causing death. It carries a maximum penalty of life in prison. Police will not reveal what they believe is the motive behind this random attack, citing the court process. Three of the accused remain in custody and will appear in court this week. The 18-year-old female has been released on bail under strict conditions. Her next court appearance is February 14th. Shelby Tom, Global News, Kelowna. Now to the expense scandal at the B.C. legislature. The Plekis report published this week details allegations of inappropriate spending going back years. Tonight we hear for the first time from a man who served as a deputy speaker under the Christie Clark government who's now fighting to be an MP in Burnaby South. Paul Johnson reports. How about this for a surprise at your front door? Defense Minister Harjeet Sanjan out and about in Burnaby this afternoon with his party's new candidate in next month's by-election, Richard T. Lee. I have been missed on the street. Their previous candidate, Karen Wang, 
suffered a spectacular flameout when she described her adversary in racial terms unacceptable to the federal liberals, who then gave her the boot. Mr. Lee is her replacement, the sight of one of the country's highest profile cabinet ministers at his side highlights the importance of this relaunch. My riding is just right next door. By all accounts, Mr. Lee is a perfectly plausible candidate for Trudeau's liberals. He was an MLA for 16 years, and he's smart, too. He used to work at the Triumph Particle Physics Lab. But his stint as a B.C. liberal put him in the legislature as deputy speaker during the time frame of the spending scandal that's now engulfed Victoria. Sunday afternoon, he told reporters he's as surprised as anyone else. First of all, I, am, I was a deputy speaker, uh, but I don't have any administrative role uh, in, the, in the legislature. They have a management committee, and I was not uh, uh, one of the members. Uh, so, but at that time, I, I don't notice uh, anything about something irregular. With the ledge scandal continuing to spin off stunning allegations and headlines, Lee may be a test case for just how politically radioactive it is to have been in close proximity. What's it like? It's no doubt something his opponent could seize on. NDP leader Jugmeet Singh, who is in a must-win race just to get a seat in Parliament. So no surprise, Ottawa sent out the big guns this weekend. Richard T. Lee may very well need them. Paul Johnson, Global News. Now, little more than two years after Vancouver's councillors started receiving discretionary funding, the city's mayor is calling for a five-fold increase to the budget. Kennedy Stewart says his council needs the support to better serve the public, but critics say the timing of this is terrible. Kristen Robinson reports. Since Vancouver's newest council was sworn in, public demands and requests for help are up, according to the city's mayor. And to help them navigate the hundreds of weekly calls and emails, he wants each councillor's discretionary budget increased from $6,000 to $30,000 per year. I just want to help facilitate their, uh, you know, reducing their administrative load so they can do more thinking about policy and interacting with the public. Kennedy Stewart says his councillors are under-supported compared to their colleagues across Canada. The current discretionary fund for Vancouver's 10 councillors is 60000 annually. An increase would cost taxpayers 300000 a $240,000 or 400% hike. I don't think this is the time to be increasing discretionary spending fivefold for councillors when we've just increased property taxes 4.5% in the city of Vancouver along with other fees. NPA councillor Lisa Dominato says she's strolling through the workload with help from city staff and an assistant. I think the timing is terrible, I don't think it's appropriate, and I think the mayor should pull off this motion from the table. Former city councillor George Affleck also got by within existing budgets. To go a five-fold increase from $6,000 to $30,000 to me is exorbitant. I think the first thing they should look at is cutting the communications department, cutting the mayor's office, as opposed to adding costs and bureaucracy to City Hall. The communications team running flat out, says the mayor's office, and the total mayor and council budget represents a cost of just under $5 per capita, among the lowest in the country. To enroll you in their system. Council will vote on the extra cash Tuesday. If approved, it would come from the contingency fund with the raise reviewed during the next budget. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
Today is the last day of advanced voting in Nanaimo's by-election. It is a race that could tip the balance of power in the BC legislature. Voters have until 8 o'clock this evening to cast an advanced ballot ahead of Wednesday's by-election. Uh, turnout for the first two days of advanced voting has actually exceeded turnout for the same period during early polls in the 2017 general election. So more people turning out this time. Uh, this by-election, of course, was called when uh, uh, Nanaimo, the now Nanaimo mayor, Leonard Krogh, resigned his provincial seat. If the Liberals win the seat, it will upset the NDP Green majority, creating a tie in the legislature with the Speaker required to break any deadlocks. Fraser Health is warning drug users after fake Xanax pills were found at Surrey's safe injection site. The drug alert was sent out by Fraser Health's harm reduction team. A synthetic opioid known as fake morphine and a synthetic cannabinoid were detected in a counterfeit Xanax pill by SafePoint's drug checking machine. Now, reports suggest large amounts of the drugs may be ready for distribution. The fake morphine wouldn't actually show up on fentanyl test strips, so it might cause some users to believe their pills are safe to use. Welcome back. The sentencing hearing for the semi-truck driver charged in the Humboldt Broncos bus crash is set to begin tomorrow. Jaskirat Singh Sidhu pleaded guilty to more than two dozen charges related to that crash that killed 16 people last April. As Heather Urex West explains, the court is expected to hear dozens of victim impact statements. The families of those killed or injured in last spring's bus crash have been preparing themselves for what is expected to be a long and very emotional week. The sentencing hearing for Jazz Karat Singh Sidhu has been scheduled over five days in Melfort, Saskatchewan. Many families are planning to be in the courtroom to read their victim impact statements. Others will have them read on their behalf. Michelle Strazschnitsky, whose son Ryan was paralyzed in the crash, will be following the hearings from her home in Airdrie, Alberta next week. She and her husband have both submitted victim impact statements. She says they put off writing those statements for as long as they could, knowing how painful it would be. Through the whole process, I broke down dozens of times, reading and rereading my statements and um, trying to put it all in. It took me right back to that night. and. Yet the next day after I wrote it, I found a sense of relief. I felt a little bit lighter. Sidhu has pled guilty to 29 counts of dangerous driving, including 16 charges of dangerous driving causing death, each of which carries a maximum sentence of 14 years. Strazchnitsky says she doesn't know what sentence would be appropriate in this case. She just hopes that whatever a judge decides, it ultimately helps ensure that a tragedy like this never happens again. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. Students and staff at McEwen University in Edmonton are mourning the loss of a student who died after a hockey game in Calgary. Nikeo Lamoth was taken to hospital after the McEwen Griffins played a game against Sate in Calgary on Friday night. A spokesperson for the university says Lamoth felt unwell after the game and was rushed to hospital where he passed away shortly before midnight. Lamoth was a student in the Bachelor of Science programme. There is no word yet on what caused his death. 
Another Canadian has reportedly been detained in China, this time on allegations of fraud. Chinese media are reporting a 61-year-old man is accused of trying to defraud an unnamed entertainment company of 375 million Canadian dollars. Global Affairs Canada has yet to make comment. It comes in the wake of last month's arrest of Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou at YVR at the request of the U.S. government. The Americans have until Wednesday to file the paperwork to extradite her to the U.S. You might remember on Friday, the Prime Minister fired John McCallum, our ambassador to China, for twice saying he thought the U.S. had a weak case against Meng. The easiest way to stop all this is to do exactly uh, what the past ambassador said um, in his last comments. The comments which unfortunately got him fired for saying what is common sense. Namely, if the United States drops everything, then, then the whole problem goes away. It's possible this is one of those cases where uh, he got in trouble for telling the truth because there's no denying it would be a lot easier for Canada if the U.S. dropped the case. But that doesn't seem likely to happen. So wishing for it out loud doesn't really do Canada any good. Two other Canadians have been detained in China since December, accused of endangering national security. And Robert Schellenberg, formerly of Abbotsford, was sentenced to death after being convicted of drug smuggling. A major hockey tournament took place in Colorado this weekend, but it wasn't at the usual venue. Yeah, this was uh, an underwater tournament. Players from Canada and all around the US travelled to a city in the Denver area for the event. Teams of six pushing a puck across the floor of a pool and then trying to score a goal. They are in their 14th year of doing this. It kind of doesn't look that easy. Could they do for water breaks? I guess you're oh. already in there. Oh, I didn't even want to think about that. That's disgusting. <laughs> Trust you. Don't you. Want to, you don't want to swallow pool water. Well, welcome sure. back. Yeah, well, thank you. All it's right. Good to be we'll back. Get into sport in a second. Uh, Kasha, what have you got in terms of weather? Uh, I, I, we've been here all day. We, we have. Like guess there. what? The yeah. sun did come out. It, it nice. did. It As I nice promised <laughs> this morning. Yes, finally. A lot of us right across the province got to see that sunshine, all thanks to a cold front that zipped across the province. Now, speaking of cold, other parts of the country are con- continue to be gripped by extreme temperatures. Pewanek, northwestern Ontario, this was the cold spot in the entire country, minus 47 today. What? Shattered a record set back in 2002 of 38, minus 38 degrees. Now, we too, we broke some records right here at home. It wasn't for the cold, though. Mm-hmm. I'll have those numbers for you coming up. All right, looking forward to that. Um, uh, and in sport, there's a lot of stuff going on. The tennis. Yeah, the, you know, sometimes you have to uh, kind of pay attention to greatness. You don't realize it's going on around you. Novak Djokovic, this uh, fortnight, these two weeks in uh, in Melbourne, was uh, as dominant a tennis as I've ever seen. I mean, he, he was beating everybody and beating them badly, including uh, Rafael Nadal in the uh, championship match earlier uh, today. It wasn't uh, really much of a, of a match. It lasted less than two hours, and uh, Djokovic wins his record seventh title. So we have highlights of that. We'll mm-hmm. hear from him. And uh, some more great curling news for uh, a, a junior BC team here that uh, set a record today in Canada. So we'll have oh, that, that as well. Oh, the record.
records. Yeah, all about the records. And I thought you were talking about us when you were talking about greatness, but you didn't kind of throw that on. Uh, well, that's I think that's assumed. <laughs> all right, of course, yeah. Yes. Welcome back. In Oregon, new evidence tonight in a custody dispute that ended with the police killing a parent at a school. NBC's Morgan Chesky reports on the encounter recorded on police body cam. And a warning, the video you're about to see is disturbing. You are under arrest. You are under arrest. Tonight, this police body cam video is our first look at a deadly confrontation at an Oregon middle school. It happened January 11th as two officers were escorting parent Charlie Landeros outside. Police say Landeros wouldn't leave their daughter's school amidst a custody battle with the girl's mother. Once outside, body cam shows Landeros resisting, yelling at police as officers try to make an arrest. You are under arrest. Watch closely. The struggle between Landeros and the officer goes to the ground. That's when police say the 30-year-old pulls out a handgun and fires twice, missing an officer by inches. Police return fire, killing the parent, Landeros' own daughter, witnessing the final moments. Investigators say the gun was fully loaded with almost two dozen rounds, and Landeros had even more ammo. The family's attorney says they're now seeking an independent investigation, calling the encounter a complex situation that resulted in the tragic death of their loved one. Tonight, the district attorney says just last year, the FBI investigated Landeros over violent anti-government posts on social media. Agents concluding there wasn't enough evidence to prove any crime. At least 20 people have been killed and 81 others injured today when two bombs rocked a Roman Catholic cathedral on a southern Philippine island. Witnesses say the first blast inside the cathedral sent people stampeding out of the main door. That was followed by a second blast outside the compound just as government forces were responding to the first attack. ISIS has claimed responsibility. Officials in Brazil briefly suspended the search for survivors of Friday's dam collapse because of fears another dam owned by the same mining company could break as well. Engineers later determined that second dam was no longer at risk. At least 58 people have died. Up to 300 others are still missing in this disaster in southeastern Brazil. The dam had held back waste from a nearby mine. There is mounting anger at the mining company called Vale about an apparent lack of an alarm system. A Brazilian judge has frozen 1.33 billion US dollars in Vale's accounts to pay for damages. And in a southern Peruvian city, a hotel wall collapsed during a wedding celebration. At least 15 people have been killed. The National Civil Defence Chief says dozens were dancing at the time when they were caught under the collapsing roof and wall. At least 30 injured people had to be pulled from the debris. Officials say the collapse was likely caused by days of heavy rain. A Banksy painting that pays tribute to terror victims has been stolen in Paris. The piece was painted by the anonymous street artist and honoured the victims of the 2015 terror attack at the Bataclan Music Hall. There is a report that a group of hooded individuals armed with angle grinders cut the painting and took it away in a truck sometime between Friday night and Saturday. The artwork featuring a sad-faced girl on one of the emergency doors of the Parisian Concert Hall. There are concerns it could be sold on the black market for millions of dollars. Britain's Prince Philip has apologised to a woman who was hurt in a car accident that he was involved in a week ago. 
The 97-year-old husband of Queen Elizabeth has written a letter to Emma Fairweather saying he's deeply sorry after she broke her wrist in the crash that happened on January 17th. The letter was published in today's Sunday Mirror. That's a UK newspaper. The Duke of Edinburgh says he was dazzled by the sun when he entered a main road near the royal estate in eastern England. He adds, I can only imagine that I failed to see the car coming and I am very contrite about the consequences. Prince Philip wasn't hurt, even though his Land Rover flipped over. He's not been charged and he continues to drive. All right, let's uh, get in uh, Kasia right now with a look at the weather. I was just saying to you in the break, I slept in, uh, drove straight here after having something to eat quickly at home. Yeah. I, I feel like I haven't, I don't know what it's like out there. You missed this? I missed that. You missed the kind of day What that time did that happen? What was now, that? Now, this happened into the afternoon. Around noon, things started to change around for us in Metro Vancouver. It happened way earlier for our friends in the Okanagan. What a beautiful day it was and what a difference a cold front can make. Uh, so, North Vancouver, Lorianne, she grabbed this one from the Cleveland Dam of the Lions. Look at that, in their full glory. And then we have the crocuses, almost in full bloom in Fort Langley. Thank you to Karen for taking that in her backyard. You know, not so fast spring because there are indications that come February we are expecting a cold snap. And, you know, this typically happens this time of year. Meanwhile, Okanagan Lake, look at this, earlier this morning. What a glorious day. Thank you to Tony for sending that in. But a little bit further north, we stuck to that cloud cover at Crystal Lake. This is Cheryl and Benny, they're just waiting for a fish to nibble on, uh, <laughs> on uh, yeah, as they were, they were ice fishing today. And you know what? It's hard to, to tell that we were actually the hot spot in the entire country today when you looked at the way they were dressed. Uh, it was a tie between Kamloops, 11.4 degrees today, and... Bella Coola also at 11.4 today. Now, these weren't actually records that were broken. These are the places that shattered previous records. So Salmon Arms, Summerland, uh, Princeton. Look at that. It was 9.6 today, uh, as well as in Summerland, shattering records that were set back in 2006 and 1992, respectively. Meanwhile, Rogers Pass, we picked up a few centimeters of fresh powder, two to four centimeters. It wasn't even picked up by radar returns. However, we did pick up some with that cold front. It has moved on, and we have been clearing out, and we will be clear for some time. Quick look at what's happening elsewhere along the Florida Panhandle. We are seeing some thunder showers. It's moving up the eastern seaboard. Snow in Atlantic Canada, parts of the Prairie Provinces as well. And today we had 100K gusts in Alberta today. It was a pretty eventful weather day. Also in Regina, where it feels like minus 19 at this hour, and it feels like minus 43 right now in Thunder Bay. For us here at home, almost an uneventful forecast, and I think this is a good thing. If you do want to see sunshine, next time we see active weather, it's going to be some time. I'll show you, especially along the north coast. Sun and clouds for the BCP, so wind chill of minus. 15 through the overnight hours. Uh, also, sun and clouds throughout Whitehorse tomorrow. Minus 8 will be your daytime high. That's slightly above seasonal. North Coast, this is where we do have cloud cover moving in on your Monday, Tuesday. That's a chance of showers with some instability moving in. The caribou in the central interior, though, you're going to be clearing out into the afternoon. Minus 2 will be your daytime high. So very similar to what we saw today. One for you in Nelson and Trail. So the cold front certainly making its presence known, living up to its name because it's much cooler today. Tops in the Okanagan, I know a lot of us were looking at temperatures around 6 to even 9 degrees today. Tomorrow, 1. Whistler will be sitting at 2. A sun cloud mix. Also, 
A beautiful day set up for you in Victoria with a high of eight. Look at your long-range forecast, Sonia. Got until Thursday. That's when we'll be taking out the umbrellas again. Should be good. All right. Um, lots going on then. Mm -hmm. cool, you're, a big, you're a big tennis fan. I do it? love tennis, yes. yeah. Have you been to Wimbledon? I've asked I have this been before. to Wimbledon. You have. Uh, Pims and strawberries. Do you remember who you saw? I, I had a big crush on Boris Becker. Oh, Boris Becker. And uh, so I got day. to see him. That was a little yeah. while ago. Well, that was a long time We're gonna ago. He was a, so a, I saw him a, later in his career. A tennis great. Yes. Just like Boris Becker. All right, thanks, Sonia. If you're a tennis fan, you have certainly been spoiled rotten being able to watch three of the greatest men in the history of the game go head-to-head -head for the last 12 to 15 years. Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic have all taken turns dominating and engaging in some of the most memorable head-to-head -head matches in the sport's history. Right now, Novak Djokovic is clearly the best. The Serbian capped a dominant week in Melbourne by crushing Rafa Nadal in the men's final earlier today. Now, the last time these two met in the final at the Aussie Open was 2012. It was a five-hour, 53-minute masterpiece, one in five five sets by Djokovic and considered by many as one of the greatest matches ever as far as quality and drama. Today, plenty of quality, not so much drama. Opening set, a bad sign for Rafa that it was not going to be a good day. Swing and a miss, Djokovic took the first set 6-3. Not many can overpower Nadal on the court. That's his game, but uh, Joker was a bully, punishing ground strokes with precision, paints the line on the backhand winner. Later in the set, has Rafa on the run again. Djokovic just overpowering. Some say as impressive as they've, uh, as they've ever seen him, and he made the world number two look like the world number 200. Second set to Djokovic, 6-2. Nadal did have the odd moment, but he had to work so hard just to win a point. Chases down the drop shot, guides it in for the winner. But those were few and far between. Djokovic could do no wrong. This time, chases down the drop shot, places it perfectly. In Rafa's defense, he's been recovering from knee injuries since last September. This was his first tournament back, and to make it to the final was impressive. But Djokovic was just too much. On match point, Nadal is long, and Novak Djokovic wins his seventh Australian Open, the most ever, breaking a tie with Roger Federer. And for Djokovic, it's his 15th major, trailing only Rafa's 17 and Federer's 20 on the all-time list. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just trying to contemplate on, uh, on the journey in the last 12 months because um, as Rafa, I've been through uh, a surgery and a quite major injury myself the last couple of years, but um, I had the surgery exactly 12 months ago. And um, to be standing now here in front of you today and uh, managing to, to win this title and three out of four slams is, is a truly amazing. I, I'm, uh, I'm speechless. All right, Alfonso Davies saw his first game action for Bayern Munich in the German Bundesliga today. Came on in the 86th minute with the match well in hand against Stuttgart. Didn't really see the ball. All the action came beforehand, including this brilliant effort from Robert Lewandowski. So many world-class players on Bayern. It's great that Davies even gets in at this stage, but he got his feet wet. 4-1 Bayern win. They are second in the Bundesliga behind Dortmund. Next week is the Super Bowl from Atlanta. Today, the NFL Pro Bowl from a very soggy Orlando, Florida. The AFC jumped out in the first quarter thanks to Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Goes 18 yards to Eric Ebron of the Colts. 7-0 AFC. They led 17-0 at the half. 
Russell Wilson had a tough day. Gets sacked a lot in Seattle, got sacked four times today in the Pro Bowl. Russell, 5 of 8, 68 yards, but no touchdowns. The NFC barely escaped getting shut out, which would have been a Pro Bowl first. Deshaun Wilson of the Texans to Jalen Ramsey of the Jags to put it away for the AFC, who won it easily 26-7. Vancouver Giants right now playing the Kelowna Rockets at the LEC. They are in a shootout. Giants trailed 3-0 at one time. They are trying to extend their win streak to nine straight. Final round of the Farmers Insurance Open from Torrey Pines in San Diego. Tiger Woods has won this tournament seven times. Did not make it eight this weekend, but he had a very good Sunday to get into the top 20. Great approach here at the fifth. His 14th hole of the day made birdie. And then on the par three eighth, slippery little downhiller for birdie. Tiger rolls it in, five under 67 today. He finished tied for 20th. Englishman Justin Rose, the current world number one ranked golfer, also the defending FedEx Cup champion, has pretty much led since Friday in this tournament, sinks the 20-footer on 16 to give himself some breathing room, four-shot lead. Now, Rose has pretty much overhauled every club in the bag from putter to driver, and, well, instant success. Brilliant iron shot into 18. Plays the slope perfectly. Settles to within about three feet. That's the way to finish, and Rose will finish off in style after that uh, great approach shot as he will step up, sink the birdie, finishes at 21 under, two-shot win over Adam Scott. Two BC boys made the weekend, Adam Stenson of Surrey, 35th at 7 under, Nick Taylor of Abbotsford, uh, Abbotsford 43rd at minus 5. Welcome back. BC's Tyler Tardy was trying to make some Canadian curling history today. And in this country, that is saying something. Tardy, who is from Langley, is going for his third straight Canadian junior title. No skip has ever done that before. A few have won back-to-back, but never the three-peat. Today, Tardy took on Manitoba in the final in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Tardy is also the defending world junior champ, so he's got quite the resume. Nine and one record this week. Great start. Second end. Showing some touch here, delicate little angle raise, take out for three, and BC jumps out, 3-0 on Manitoba. But by the eighth, BC was down two. Tardy's known for throwing the parking lot weight with accuracy. Shows that skill off here, fires a missile down the ice, scores two, and ties at 5-5. BC stole one in the ninth, so in the tenth, leading 6-5. Manitoba, though, last rock, had a chance to score two and get the win, but it's a tough shot. And just a little light, and they wreck on the front stone there. And another steal for BC. And Tyler Tardy does make history. Wins his third straight national junior title, 7-5 the final. First ring to ever accomplish that feat. Now he goes to the Worlds in Nova Scotia next month. Earlier, Sarah Daniels and Team BC out of the Delta Thistle Curling Club taking on Alberta in the junior women's final. Eighth end, BC down three, but Daniels with a chance to get right back in it. Had an outside chance at four, ends up with three. That ties the game 6-6, but in the ninth, Alberta answers right back. Selena Sturme with the takeout. In the back 12 there, loses the shooter, but still scores three, and that was it. Alberta beats BC 9-6 to take the women's championship, but still a great showing for Sarah Daniels and her rink out of North Delta. National Lacrosse League last night, and finally something to cheer about for the Vancouver Warriors, who took on Colorado at Rogers, down 7-4 at the half, third quarter. James Ray with the diving goal, made it 7-5. Great move there, fourth quarter. They'll get within one. It's Brandon 
Goodwin will score on the rebound. That made it 10-9. Crowd getting excited. Under three minutes to go. And Vancouver's going to tie it. Logan Schuss pulling the trigger with uh, 2.43 left. So it's 10-10. We require overtime. Vancouver won their season opener in overtime in Calgary, and they do the same here. Shusk with the game winner, so Vancouver snaps a five-game losing skid. They're now 2-5. and five. NBA tonight, Raptors in Dallas trying to snap a two-game losing skid after losses in Houston and Indiana. Two pretty good teams late first. Kyle Lowry beats the buzzer with the three ball. 38-32 Toronto after one. Raps in sync in this one. Beautiful rapid ball movement here. In the second, finished off by Serge Ibaka. Toronto 70-58 at the half, but Dallas had a big third quarter and actually led, but Toronto will rally. Kyle Lowry with the clutch three, ties it at 106, and then the Raptors will put it away in crunch time. Danny Green with the drive and bucket as the Raps win it 123-120. They are now 37-15, and and we'll finish with the Winter X Games today in Aspen. Quebec City's Alex Boyeau-Marchand, the Olympic bronze medalist in ski slope style, showing why he hits the podium a lot in this event, nails the switch triple cork 1260. Led for most of the competition, but American Alex Hall will snatch away the gold medal thanks to this maneuver in his third run, and uh, Boyo Marchand settles for silver. The Canadian's doing pretty well at the uh, Winter X Games. That's a crazy shot. It is. Well, it's for the young, definitely. You don't see a lot of, a lot of like people <laughs> with gray in their beards uh, doing that stuff. Right. This is your snow report for the Sunday, January the 27th. Another day without fresh snow, but retaining a good snowpack at Whistler Blackcomb. We have 248 centimeters of snow on the ground. Revelstoke, we picked up two centimeters of snow, a snowpack of close to 200 centimeters there. Big White has 174 centimeters of snow on the ground. Sun Peaks has 152. A snowpack of 155 centimeters at Kicking Horse. Powder King has 249. All right, finally tonight, a cookie bandit is at large in the Okanagan. Keep your eyes peeled for this person. It's an unusual robbery caught on tape. Now the bakery owners are saying the theft was targeted. Jules Knox has more. This was a really committed uh, criminal. They knew what they wanted and they, they had their eye on the ball. Surveillance video showing a crime in progress. The target, Peachland's Bliss Bakery. But this thief isn't after cash. She wants a different kind of dough. Went inside and we looked around and uh, the police are like, is anything missing? And yeah, the, well, our, the cookies are all gone. If somebody had, had punched out the lock on the front door, come in, beelined for the cookies, ignored the open cash door that's next to them, bundled up four trays of cookies and, and hoofed it out of the business. But it wasn't exactly a clean getaway. Clues were left at the scene. There was a trail of cookie crumbs leading back to the scene of the crime and there was a trail leading out to the parking spaces because they had a vehicle. A police dog called to the scene to follow that trail of cookie crumbs but the bandit with an affinity for baking was nowhere to be found. I mean I know the cookies are good but I don't think getting a criminal record for stealing them is the way that you want to go. Can't understand why they didn't go to the till but I guess uh, that speaks volumes for the quality of uh, Bliss's uh, cookies. They took these four trays of cookies. It appears the cookie monster has a sweet tooth. Chocolate chunk, peanut butter chocolate chunk, chocolate salty toffee cookies, all gone. 
We were a little insulted because they left behind the gluten-free cookies, so they, I felt like they were trying to send us a message or something. The bandit's cookie choice perhaps leading to some clues. Well, they're obviously not celiac. Um, they seem to know exactly where they were going. I'd say they had the munchies. As for loyal customers at Bliss Bakery, they say the cookies are a steal. Jules Knox, Global News, Peachland. Bizarre story. There must be easier ways of getting cookies than going to those lengths. I think that right. anyone who sells milk should now be on the list. <laughs> yeah, cookies and milk. Right? For sure. Dipping. Yes. I'm just, that's just my, my detective mind. Dairy's yeah. be alert. All right, then. Thank you very much for watching. Good night. <laughs> Bye.